really excited to have our next guest as we talk about technology can save, I guess, help you, <laughs> right? And so, Stephen, you want to tell the listeners a little bit about more about yourself? What are you up to these days? Who you are? Yeah, I'm Stephen Wright. I'm the chief analyst for Vendor Neutral, and we're focused on giving buyers an unbiased view of how different sales technologies work. So I'm the one that built all the research and works with all the vendors to help build their profiles to really give a very focused view of what does it actually do and what are the challenges and the capabilities it meets, free from the usual marketing um, hype and adjectives to really help buyers understand where the value is. Ah, that's great. Well, as we dig into this, I think you're going to have a fantastic perspective, especially that last piece around <laughs> the hype versus advantages. Uh hot debate these days. So before we jump into a couple of those questions I have for you, just, uh, you know, having read the, the, the chapter itself in the lens of some of these folks that might be just getting started in their career, what was, what was your kind of takeaway for this? If, if I, in the lens of someone new, um, what would you take away or how would you put it into practice just getting started here? Well, I think one of the key things, I mean, how technology can help or save you, but I think depending on where a seller is and all of that, it's it's also useful to approach technology and how can technology maybe harm you or actually make your life more difficult. So it, it depends on how it's implemented and what management is expecting or there, there's just a lot of things there. So there, there's a certain, um, yes, it's going to help me, but, you know, forewarned is forearmed or trust but verify to understand what that technology is really doing for you. I love that. And and it's so interesting that you took that perspective because we start off like, hey, what do we all have in sales for you know the last 20 years? It's like a pencil, a notepad, and a phone, right? Uh, right. And and so, you know, looking at it from the lens of how it might harm you more so than how it can help you is interesting, right? So how how does technology help sales teams today? Let's start there. Well, you can look at it one direction. There, there's too many ways to count. Um, you know, from the CRM, all the possible tools, what they can do and all of that. Um, you know, even a pencil and, and a piece of paper is technology. It's a question of how it scales up and, and what it can really produce. But a lot of that has to do with what's the mission or the solution that's being sold? What's the typical sales cadence? What type of seller it is and whether the technology is in place, the right technology is in place to help do that. I mean, there was a time where spreadsheets were a huge advance and databases and all of that, but they became their own limitation. And sort of as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, technology can also be a burden. Is that technology being used to help you? Is it a carrot or is it a stick that's going to be used to punish you, depending on how it's observing you? Or how many different pieces do you have to use? How many places do you have to go to be able to figure out what's going on? So it, it's, it's, you know, part of the answer is it depends, but part of it is really understanding what is your end goal and where do you need help to get things done in a more efficient, productive way? And is this technology helping you do that? That's really, that's actually interesting because it does depend so much on a lot of variables. And, um, you know, from a marketing perspective, as you kick this thing off, you know, there's so many promises of uh, well, X, Y, and Z, right? do more with less, faster, more revenue, more meetings. Um, but 
<laughs> but for who <laughs> and in what instance and uh, at what stage and all those other things come into factor. So when we think about in general, and I know this is a broad question again, but are there any particular technologies that you believe are are absolutely mission critical? If uh, if if somebody's trying to build a sales team of of say more than just one or two people today, I think there are some things that that you, you really have to have. I mean, I think you're going to say this isn't part of sales, but I believe that it is. I'm going to assume there's some sort of marketing and web presence. You know that there's some sort of visibility in the market mm-hmm. that is taking place. Um, I also think you really need a CRM. I mean, it might just start off as a spreadsheet, but really a place to keep all of that data. I'm not going to oversell a CRM as necessarily the most useful tool all of the time, but you've got to have that basics where you're keeping that and keeping that information. And that then relates to me to the third part, particularly as you're building. You got to have data. You got to have data about contacts and companies. And that's really going to be getting out to third party sources to gather that data and having the right kind of ideal customer profile on a total addressable market to be able to do a better job defining what's the kind of third party data you need to get to be able to get in touch with the right people. And once you've got that, I think you've got to think about if you're trying to scale up or be as productive as possible and not just repeating easily automated tasks, you need automation for the outbound, whether that's cold calling, whether that's email, whether that's social, that can help go along with the follow-up to all of those outbound efforts. And you need automation for the inbound. If there's responses coming in, web forms being filled out, um, helping to schedule meetings, nurturing campaigns to keep reaching out depending on how you judge the quality of that lead to be able to going forward. And any of the tools related to that, I think the third thing when you look at any tool that's going to be looking at helping you get in contact and being able to reach out, um, there's three key things to look at that those tools should deliver. The first one is engagement. How does it measure it? Where does it, is it looking at the emails open? What a presentation was open? Are you tracking information on phone calls? The second principle would be engagement. Is it measuring how well you are engaged with the customer and everything else? And the third thing would be engagement, the combination of the both. Because if there isn't that engagement, there's no way to base, create an understanding of what is the relationship and where is it going and how is the opportunity moving? And that would relate to the next point in my mind, which is tools that can help enforce or guide a seller through the optimized process, whether that's automating data back to the CRM, whether that's saying, um, you need to call so-and-so because the last time you talked to them was three days ago, or gee, this kind of content has worked on this kind of deal. Anything of that that can help enforce, recommend, and guide a seller is a good thing. Depending, the next thing, it's going to depend on the complexity of the solution, the type of sales cycle, but having some sort of technology that helps manage the content that you use as part of those deals, whether you're building presentations, doing videos, repurposing existing content, whatever that is, and that ties directly back to engagement. So I really see those as sort of the foundational technologies that you can start building early and find the right technologies that can grow with you. So you hit on something right out the gate there that I think is really interesting because you bucketed into mission critical technology, but you said maybe it's not technology, which was the web and marketing presence. (laughs) Uh, You know, you can have all the automation, CRM data in the world. You can have, you triple down on engagement, 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 you have all that, but buyers are likely to go and try to look you up and find information on their own once you've had engagement. And if right. your presence doesn't match what you're saying, 
that's such a problem, right? I can't tell you how many times startups want to go and build outbound programs I've been a part of and, and their website is saying something completely different than what they're trying to pitch. And they, they're yeah, wondering why their show rates are so low, right? Uh, that's, that's one of the most frequent conversations I have with the vendors is particularly engaging in, in the certification process is, you know, I mean, I look at the website, I go deep into the website to gather as much as I can. Um, and I use that for a lot of the research to be able to do that. But then I'll ask them about, well, what about this use case? Or do you do this or do you do that? And one of my favorite cliche answers to get from a vendor is, yes, we're working on an update to our website to better reflect that positioning and message. And it's sort of, if you're telling me that now, and I'm still hearing that two weeks later, why haven't you done it? It's, uh, I think that's a more than a million dollar question, to be honest. <laughs> <Steven>. <laughs> Honestly, it's just not prioritized in most organizations. Um, or it's over over optimized, right? And it's changing too frequently. Where uh, you know you see some folks that, that are over optimizing on the marketing side, and you know the website changed from the first time you talked to them uh, till the time you close a deal. Yeah, because that's you know on, on the other side, and that's you know that's why there's still a gap between sales and marketing. If you establish a message, if you establish a brand principle, the value proposition, and all of that, it takes time to communicate that to the market. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're not just placing it better. I like this story of the week. It's got to be a story that's going to last you for a while, because that's the only way you're going to be able to communicate that consistently, but also to find the optimal way to communicate that, Mm -hmm. to find the most effective and, uh, dare I use the word again, engaging (laughs) way to connect with people. (laughs) Well, uh, I love that. So, um, when it comes to uh, where this is going, right? There, I, I, we wrote this book in seventeen, and a lot of the core components that you just mentioned are the same. However, uh, there's been a you know proliferation of uh, or a, 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 I guess explosion. Uh, That's the word I was. Pl- a proliferation of capital, a explosion of of uh, me too's and co- competition around. They all kind of look 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 and feel the same within the sales tech, similar to what we've seen in the martech space. But what what do you see as where this is all going for the next few years? Well, the obvious first answer is AI. Though I'm skeptical of AI in a lot of different situations. Mm-hmm. The main thing being, particularly when it comes to B two B, AI is dependent on huge amounts of data. So when it comes to sales tech and trying to find the right way to do a deal or the right next steps to take or what's worked in the past, you got to have data that shows that. And particularly if you're smaller smaller or newer, <clears throat> or even if you're not, you don't have the kind of data compared to an Amazon. You just don't. You don't have that volume to do it. So finding the right ways to put that AI to use and really testing whether that exists in a solution is important. You know, I think one thing around that, vendors of all kinds of different solutions gather all kinds of analytics. They're sitting on, theoretically, a huge store of data on how things are done by hundreds, if not thousands, of, of their customers, but trying to find the right way to sort of generalize that, anonymize it, extracting the underlying principles and best practices that can really get incorporated into sales tech and sales tech automation. That's the tricky part. I'm not sure anybody's really addressed that. I think there's some very obvious uses. 
I mean, natural language processing, whether it's written or verbal, to sort of understand what's the tone, what's the content, what's potentially signals of intent on the communications that are going on as part of that relationship. Um, but, you know, you, you can't get too lost in that. A lot of it has to do with just doing a better job of figuring out what's the right process, and what can be automated there, and what can go on with that. Now, one other area is, you know, so that's kind of tied to the measuring and the tracking. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of technology that automates sales management tasks, but who's watching what the managers are doing to help drive what they're supposed to be doing to be telling the salespeople? So I think there's room for more sophisticated and automated training and coaching. And I think there's a lot that depends on what's being sold. Because I think the short answer is, over the next few years, whatever can be commodified as a sale that doesn't need a salesperson will be. If it could be sold in an Amazon model and doesn't need a relationship, that's what's going to happen. It's always going to be more complex solutions that are going to require the intersection of the seller and the buyer to really understand what those needs are and how they're being met. And that's, you know, when the technology can help with that, that's great. Otherwise, if you're in a business where it could all be done on Amazon or on a website and you're a seller, I'd get out of that business. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So, and the AI stuff with B2B is, is fascinating, right? The, the amount of data necessary to actually make that work for you. Um, so I could, I could dive that in that for a long time, but for an interest of time, we'll move forward to, um, uh, this is a question that I think is, is really interesting, right? Assume, assume we go to that mission critical set of technology you mentioned earlier by, by simply buying this, does that solve the problem that, you know, they all claim to solve or <laughs> and what I mean by that is, you know, I'm struggling with, understanding what's happening uh, across my, you know, sales process. Will right. buying CRM solve that for me? Like no. that type, yeah, right? Because no. I mean, yeah. just, you know, buying buying a Porsche doesn't mean you know how to drive it. Mm -hmm. uh, getting the most expensive tennis racket doesn't mean you know how to play, you, that you could, you, could, you could play Roger Federer. So the, the technology always serves, um, technology is the slave of process. And so, you know, that's, that's really where it has to come into play. What is your process and how does the technology help do that? Oh, well, that, that, that throws a softball up for our last question then. And this is just my, I love to always quiz people on this, right? People, process, technology, what order and, and why? You got to start with the process. How are you going to do it? What's the right way to do it? I mean, it, it might be one thing to say, I want to open a company that makes really good pies, but you're going to have to have a process for what's the recipe for making that pie. You know, process tells you how are you going to do that. And from the sales side, there's lots of resources to look at at that. I mean, there's lots of associations and everything like that. But I would suggest milk the vendors. In any type of solution, it assumes there's a process as part of that. It can be customized. It can be changed. It can be adapted. But if those vendors tell you, how does this follow a deal through? How does it do this and all of that? That'll give you some ideas about what the process is. That may not be the best process but it gives you some way of thinking about how it fits. And I wouldn't confuse process and methodology. Process is what you do and how you can scale it, and how often you can do that. It's essentially quantitative to be able to perform those repeatable tasks. The methodology surrounding that is how you do it based on the audience and the solution. You gotta get the message out, but what's the right message? You gotta talk to someone, but what's the right conversation? And that's much more qualitative. 
And that is technology that maps to that process and delivers productivity. You know, it's repeatable at scale with fewer people, measures the effectiveness, does it work, and gives you the analytics to show what is and isn't working. People a lot of times want to just show me what works, but figure out what's not working because that can point back to where you need to optimize the process. And then it's the people that are doing that that you have to figure out if the process demands this and the technology demands that, who are the right people to be able to do that? What are the skills that they need? What's the knowledge they need to have to be able to engage with the technology and with the buyers? Well, Stephen, I think we, uh, we're cut from the same cloth there. I always ask people that, and that's a very similar answer, right? Process, technology, people. It's a circle, right? Right. It's continuous. We're going to continue to improve, right? The people can then improve the process, which you know, can go on. And I appreciate, I appreciate that perspective. Uh, I'm a little biased on that myself. So Steven, I appreciate you taking some time to provide your feedback here. Um, if, if folks wanted to get in touch with you who are listening, how, how might they do that? Uh, go to vendorneutral.com to find out about vendorneutral.com. And you can always find me at Steven at vendorneutral.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much again for uh, uh, providing your insights and perspective on this, uh, this chapter. And uh, thanks for being a fan of the book. So thank you, Ryan. This has been fun. Awesome. Have a great day.